Leadership is the art of giving people a platform for spreading ideas that work. Welcome to DC Local Leaders, the podcast where we talk to C-suite leaders within the DC area. Our guests share their pathways to success and the important moments that impacted their careers. Lean in as we get the inside scoop on how they are shaping their industries, how they lead, manage, and connect with others. From the sectors of aerospace, defense, tech, IT, and more, this is Local Leaders. Your host has been making meaningful connections with industry leaders for over 15 years. Here's Philip Nathrum. Welcome back to the DC Local Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Philip Nathram. If it's your first time checking us out, we really appreciate you being here. Remember to subscribe wherever you're listening and on Instagram at DC Local Leaders and come find me on LinkedIn. I don't want you to miss out on any of our Monday mindsets and new episodes with impactful examples of leadership and mindset. To make it easy, we're going to drop some links below. We want to continue to create value and share these messages of shifting our mindset, achieving our goals, and being a mentor for others to do the same. If you enjoyed this episode or any of our past episodes, please remember to share it with a friend. It'll really help us spread the word. We're also actively seeking partnerships and sponsorships to continue our mission, sharing examples that we can accomplish anything that we work towards with the right mindset and the right mentorship. If you or your company would like to partner with us, please use the links below to connect. Today's episode is with Kavita Kalator and PV Puvada from Net Impact Strategies. Kavita is the founder of Net Impact Strategies and has been growing this company for a number of years. We hear all about the genesis of this company and how it started, but more importantly, the why behind what Kavita was trying to accomplish and also the why behind PV and specifically him as to why he will be the one to take it to the next level. We actually get into the fact that he is the son of a farmer and what that mindset has done for him and being able to help him grow company. Kavita herself as an econ major, but she learned something about technology and that you can always teach technology. But what she wanted to do was actually find systems that work. And if they don't work, fix the system before you fix the product. So we get some great insight into the why behind net impact strategies with this episode. And again, if you're not already subscribed, wherever you happen to be listening, please subscribe so that we can share this message. Come find me on LinkedIn and definitely check us out on Instagram at DC Local Leaders. So let's get into the episode. Well, welcome. We're here in the office of Net Impact Strategies with Kavita and PV. Hi, I'm Kavita Kalatur, founder and chairperson of Net Impact Strategies, and happy to be here. Thank you. Hi, I'm PV Puwada, CEO of Net Impact Strategies. I'm glad to be here. Glad to be doing this with Kavita. As soon as I walked in into the other conference room, I saw something. It said, work hard, stay humble. Is that a motto? Yeah, I think it's the genesis of who we are as people and why we started the company and I think it permeates our culture in terms of, you know, how not just we don't really hire only for, for technical aptitude, right? We hire for the attitude, too. And that, I think, is really what makes us who we are and a trusted advisor to our clients. Aptitude and attitude. I like that. That's nice. You said you started a couple months ago here? Yeah. After a 30 plus year career with Ulysses Corporation. Yeah. Was that a big change for you to go from there to here? Or was that scary or vulnerable at all? It's interesting. Yeah. And I took some time off. My business was sold last year and I just wanted to take some time off and take a break. I've known Kavita for a long period of time. And I think part of the discussion was around, is this something that I could transition to? Really? Right. And what it comes down to is you, you can lead big organizations, you can lead smaller organizations. It's about your passion and what you're leading, leading towards. 
And Kavita built a great team and a, a great enterprise and very, very focused around not only the motto that we just talked about, making a difference and making a difference for the clients, making a difference for the community, making a difference for our people. So it's a great way to kind of make your impact. And that's part of our name, Net Impact. Yeah. Um, and so it's been, it's been an exciting two and a half months. Was it a big change for you to step back from running the, the company to bring someone else in? What brought about that thought process or what made you want to do that? So I've always believed to surround myself with people who are way smarter than me. And I think that's really been uh, why we've been so successful. And, you know, as the business was growing way faster than I even anticipated, right, we were beating our estimates every year. And we were heading into this mid-tier market space. I knew we needed a different kind of thinking to help the, the business continue to scale. You know, it, it was very important, not just, again, to get the person with the right experience and vision and strategy, but also to get someone who would be a good cultural fit because we are such a culture-driven organization that I wanted someone who shared our core values and who would provide that leadership with integrity, which, you know, the people over here value. And that's what's made this transition to PV so easy because literally my transition with him was one day yeah. over a holiday. Like, here it is. Call me if you need me. And he's not calling me, so I guess he's fine. What, what would you say is the culture of Net Impact? It's work hard, stay humble. Yeah. And it's it's really, you know, from a, a customer perspective, it's it's really about the customer focus, making their lives easier. But it's it's also driven by really being passionate about what we do and taking pride in the work that we produce, working very collaboratively, whether it's internally, externally with partners, and working with that integrity. And, you know, we don't look at anything as a transaction. We look at it as a relationship. So, you know, we invest in it and we work with that long-term focus. And, and you know, clearly we've attracted a, a large group of people who share those core values. And that's really helped bring us to where we are. Talk to me about what it was like when you first started Net Impact. What were you doing at that time? And what brought about that mindset that I think I want to do this on my own or I'd like to service clients on my own. So I call myself the accidental entrepreneur. So I was actually at Oracle. I had ended up at Oracle through an acquisition and I was running one of their practice areas for the Americas, run one of the products that they had. And, you know, I'd, I'd experienced the big company culture and I had worked with, you know, some founder-run companies. Primavera, which they acquired, was a mid-tier company. And for me, it was more about the cultural fit and, and wanting to do work directly for the customer without a whole bunch of internal bureaucracy that's telling me you can't do this or you can't do that, right? In within a realm of reason, right? I understand that there are contracts and things like that. So when I left, I actually left because I thought I was just going to go support one of my customers, which was Defense Health at that point was called TRICARE. And I thought I was a 1099, right? I really didn't expect to get to where we were, but I left and I started around May. People had end of year money and they were like, hey, we wanted to work with you. You understood our problems. You were solutioning for us. Would you want to do this for us? And I have a hard time saying no. <laughs> so, and, you know, so started off like that, used my partner network to support some initial engagements and then some met some other phenomenal mentors along the way who told me I could do this and made me believe in something that I didn't believe in. And, you know, and then we started growing. What about you? Because you ran a company for a while too. But I guess I'm, I'm interested in not, 
I, I want to get into the process of running the company in the early days and what that's like and and the difference between then and now. But what was it that first sparked within you to, to start doing something on your own? Just I, I know that you were a consultant for a while and then you became, you know, something a little bit different. But what was it? I think I, I have run really hard for 30 years working for a large um, multinational global corporation doing lots of things and that was very successful resulting in me leading the organization of 3,000 people as the CEO and president of the business I was trying to figure out being there done that and started down at the bottom rung and 17 promotions later accomplish a lot for the company for myself for the people that I've been working with I just wanted to do something different, first of all. I want to do something different that makes a difference. And so there was a discovery process that one goes through. Lots of people reach out and say, hey, we got we got this business, multi-billion dollar business. Would you want to run it? You know, go grow the business, etc." And I, I wanted to work with people that I could resonate with from a leadership perspective. I really appreciated the entrepreneurial spirit with which Kavita has been growing this business and doing it the right way. It seemed to me that combination of both of us, what we could do together with her passion for making a difference, with my passion for making a difference, you know, it seemed like very complimentary. And if you asked me about a year ago, uh, here's where I would be working at a mid-small or mid-sized company, I would have said, uh, probably not, because I don't know what I wanted to do. Yeah. And you had just sold a company. Yeah. I mean, you could have taken some time off, right? Yeah, I could have taken some time off. And I think uh, at the end of the day, it goes back to the passion that I always had. I was I entered the business at the dawn of technology revolution in late 80s, early 90s. Yeah. Saw the power of what technology could do to make a difference in people's lives, especially in the government which needs a lot of help from us and from others because, you know, they don't have the resources internally to be able to figure this out. So, you know, there's just part of the technology that's making a difference in the mission. And I think as I thought about it, it is making even bigger difference in, in a platform that just doesn't have a significant sets of hurdles that you typically come at at the bigger company. Whether you're leading it or not, you know, to make a decision, it goes down into doing six different presentations yeah. to make an internal decision. Here, it's 30-second discussion once people are aligned. You don't need to go prep a presentation for a presentation for a presentation, right, right? right? So you focus your energies outwardly in solving that challenge that your customer has. And that's entrepreneurship at its best. It sounds like you both share the same sort of mindset that you want it to be as agile as possible, to be as useful as possible to the client. But, you know, to, to do that, it sounds like you're both technical people. Do you think that that is a prerequisite for doing what you're doing? Or is there a balance between that and soft skills and maybe someone who isn't quite as technical can still be as effective? I'm an econ major. So you're not technical. You just found your, but you found yourself at Oracle. 
Yeah, but you know, you can learn technology. It's harder to learn psychology. So right. I, I really think most of technology is really a people oriented opportunity slash problem both yeah. right it's a double-edged sword so uh, I think 80% of my success is really connecting with the people understanding what is it that they want and really being able to build solutions that make their lives easier do I write the best JavaScript code no but you know I have people who can help me fix my syntax and but right. I know when a person opens the the system what kind of views would make sense for them what would make their jobs easier and you know to be able to think that way I think has been more of my success but like I said I'm an econ major yeah so I have engineering degree I didn't have much background about computers so what I find it to be useful is engineering teaches you critical thinking and solving hard problems so it's more about that than and knowing specifics about certain things, even though that's very useful. So when you come from that mindset, you know, you have to learn all that background. You have to learn the softer things that come naturally to, you know, folks that are trained in liberal arts and other non-engineering technical things. A lot of that comes from practice. A lot of that comes from who you are. But at the end of the day, it's about the focus. What focus do you want to have? And it comes down to leadership, leadership style. And there are different, there are a lot of people that can be successful in the business. There are a lot of people that are successful. It's not about winning contracts. And a lot of people do. It's about doing things that inspire people. And that comes with practice. And I agree with Kavitha. You don't have to be technical to be successful. Personally, I found it, you know, and then I became very technical in the computer field and have had the opportunity to do lots of different things, be in the sales, be in the delivery, be in the clients and be the advisor. That 360 degree view, you can start anywhere as long as you had the full spectrum of experience whether you get personally trained or not is very helpful so you yeah. you think multi-dimensional and that's where teamwork makes a big difference right so yeah. you want to surround yourselves with the people that are complementary to you otherwise it's just going to be the same same viewpoint and same things so some of the best sort of analytical thinkers that i've met are english majors and Shakespeare and literature PhDs and people that have law degrees and people that have econ degrees or finance degrees. It's just a diversity of thought. But leadership is all about learning new things. And some of them are harder, to be honest with you, from a career coaching perspective, many people don't necessarily have the benefit of the advice that they need. And that's what we're trying to do differently here is to create and foster a culture of where we're trying to grow people, but give them what I call asymmetric advantages Mm -hmm. and things that you don't think about that are disruptive, that are different kinds of things. Yeah, I love that. You're talking about coaching. You're talking about mindset and developing that mindset. And one thing you mentioned that I really like, I've heard this a lot. I've done just the 360. You can start anywhere on that wheel, but it's a wheel and it's got a roll. If anything is um, out of whack or you know, falls below or above the other, it's not going to roll very well. So, you, But you can start anywhere. What are some of the things that you guys do individually as a person to kind of prepare yourself and, and keep track of your mindset to be that leader or that mentor? Do you have a morning routine? Are you taking 
cold showers? Are they uh, a morning meditation routine? I mean, I'm, I'm telling this is what I do, but that's a big deal for me. I've gone on silent retreats. I purposely work on those things. And as I talk to other leaders, they all seem to have some sort of routine or something that they do to help work on themselves so that they can show up, you know, at work in the lives of the other people that they're impacting. For me, it's meditation and tea. Mm. What kind of meditation do you do? I, I use the Calm app. Yeah. So I, for me, I find it like because of my mind is like got a million thoughts racing all the time. It just helps ground me. And I think what it's done for me, I've been doing this for about two or three years now. I think it slowed me down enough to be able to be more mindful and aware of others and what their needs are in a way that when you're just go, 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 you sometimes unintentionally cause a lot of chaos. You know, it's like sometimes my it's, it's it's almost like I don't do it for myself. I do it for the people around me. Yeah. <laughs> so so I think that that is is something that I've personally found helps me quite a bit. And, and you know, twenty twenty was good because it put me on an exercise routine, which I find is like what I need at the end of the day to just you know help me unwind. And then I get a second win, and so I'm not known to be a super morning person because i sleep very late i was gonna ask so so this meditation that you do in the workout is it more in the evening then yeah i can meditate anytime like even yeah. like 15 20 minutes between meetings like but i i, I do it throughout but exercise i do in the evenings in the evenings yeah so but i not- also do like pranayama and i do a lot of the breathing and all that stuff which also is part of that yeah. What do your mornings usually look like? Or do you have some reading time or like what? These people schedule meetings at like <laughs> seven in the morning. So they're you're brutal. Up. I'm yeah. like, I sleep at three. Like, can you not do this to me? Yeah. So they're <laughs> so, getting in the way of your program. I right? know. No. I mean, it, it's changed quite a bit, I think, since 2020, because we're so used to like, you know, just being able to roll into a meeting without having to worry about commutes and yeah. uh, things like that. But I like to start my day quiet with a cup of tea and just be able to like just you know process like actually really no, thinking about nothing has become mm. awesome because it, it actually like clears your mind and makes you more productive if you told me that like four or five years ago i told you you're crazy like yeah. how can you stop you have to keep doing right how can i waste yeah. a minute but i've actually found that unplugging and, and just being calmer in the morning makes you more yeah. productive and, and a better person through the day yeah it's like working out if you just constantly did reps and didn't take rest I mean, you'll do some, but you'll fail at some point. But if you did, you know, a set of five and took a break and then a set of five and took a break, you'll get way more done. It's about those in-between moments, the breaks in between. What about you? I mean, you're wearing a full suit right now. So (laughs) you look like, you know, you're you're off and running. Yeah. So I I don't do anything profiled like Kavita talked about. But as far as routine goes, this is something I've been doing for 30 plus years. Wake up every morning, whatever that is, it depends get a cup of tea and get physical paper. Wall Street Journal, I've been reading Wall Street Journal for 30 plus years. Just to kind of, you know, get a sense of what's going on, but also understand what the environment looks like. It's not just about business. And that's kind of freshens your thought process. And then I do the same on a weekend. Uh, I've been reading The Economist magazine for about 25 years. Sometimes, you know, you you get caught up on, on a Saturday. You don't read the magazine for the rest of the week and the next week comes in. So it's like, you know, your homework piled up kind of a thing. But that's very interesting, very refreshing. That's, you know, that routine kind of sets 
you to learn some things new, but also get the perspective. In terms of what do I do to kind of get away from stuff? I do two things, actually. One is gardening during summertime, vegetable gardening. I'm a farmer's son, so it must have been in the blood. And just dig and and put the seeds in and get the stuff going and just water the plant during summertime and you're not thinking about anything you're just thinking about you're, you're watching that last year during the break i i got interested in bird watching so went in and overdid a lot of nest boxes and birds it's fascinating watching those kinds of things but just as much for me is what not to do is i have very good discipline about when I when I say I'm done done at the night it's the eight nine ten whatever that is shut the phone off don't bring it upstairs mm. don't watch TV in the bedroom yeah just read something before you you sleep and just go and recharge your batteries but not anything specific or profound like meditation or anything no. like that a couple of things i want to ask you about is you said you wake up whatever time that is do you just allow your body to naturally wake up or do you set a set a clock most often i don't have to set a clock yeah but you know you go late in the night or whatnot you know you you do set a clock you know you have a client meeting at dc at eight o'clock in the morning yeah and um, within reason I yeah i don't know how who schedules are seven o'clock meetings but you know, I, I don't, I don't, I don't do seven o'clock meetings. That's my reading time. You being a farmer's son mm-hmm. and understanding farming from the perspective, like you know, the the work that goes into growing a crop and the the upkeep and maintenance that it takes to care for a garden, especially a food garden, right? A vegetable garden. What do you think that that did for you, even at a young age, to prepare you for what you do now? Which leading companies is similar. You you plant those little seeds and you continue to care for those, you know, those business lines, those people in your organization, those crops, those things that you, you care about. Uh, what do you think that that did? Do you think that had any impact on, on who you become now? Absolutely. And Philip, that's, that's really a good question. It is about, you talked about nurturing. It's also about hard work. And it's also learning when you, when you plant seeds, not all of them come. So you're learning disappointments yeah and one year things do really well and next year you plant the same it, it doesn't come and also it's about self-sufficiency it's about you know it's not just you know a hobby per se but you're also thinking about okay you know i i have this and that has a significant impact and quite honestly close to home when i was doing work with the department of agriculture and especially rural development, I can resonate with, oh, these are the people that are in need. Mm-hmm. And let's make sure the modernization that we're doing is makes it easy for the farmers. We as a company also have agriculture as a big client here. So it's, it's going back to like growing stuff, but also growing people as you're going through and people are not going to take a straight line to you know grow yeah and to help them understand and learn from that that's definitely i didn't think about it actually till you asked that question but as i think about it that had an impact in yeah and you know goes back to the humbleness you know if you're 
whichever country you're in, if you're in farming, you know, you're going to have hard times and you get humbled. My light bulb went off when you said that, because that goes to some of that entrepreneurial spirit. You mentioned it of uh, sustaining yourself, mm-hmm. not not that if you work for someone else, you're dependent on that person. You can be empowered within your company. Not everyone is required to be an entrepreneur, but there is something about certain people that want to do it on their own mm-hmm. and know that they can do it on their own. What about you growing up? What, you know, what was your home life like? What were your parents like? And what do you think, you know, what did they do? And what impact did that have on who you've become? It was very pampered. Were you? Were they nice to you? Super nice. Your parents were nice to you? I don't know why I'm so shocked by that. I, I think that says way more about me than it does about you. So I just want to apologize. I don't know why that surprised me. No, I, I think my, my dad has had a very difficult life growing up. And he started working when he was 13. His father had passed away. He was living at someone else's house and, you know, putting himself through school and stuff. So I think for him, he wanted to be self-sufficient, right? Like that really started him off at 13 telling them he was much older, getting a job, and and really networking within the company. Like he started off as a clerk in a warehouse. And then when the managers in that organization were starting a new business, they actually pulled him in to be a director with them. Right. So he, he really was very committed to the job, but he also knew and worked well with people. And, and he really built everything that he had from scratch. I think a lot of my work ethic comes from seeing that and, and, and appreciating everything that I have today really came from, you know, the efforts that he put in and, and what he was able to do. I also take it as a personal responsibility that, you know, if he started with nothing and he got it there, you know, I, I started with everything and I am very grateful for that. But I also think to whom much is given, much is expected. So I try to live that as my own personal philosophy, whether it's at work or, you know, in what we do in, in life, that that is important way more than, you know, like PV was saying, the next contract, next month, next, you know, next million or whatever it is. It's it's really those longstanding relationships with people. And I will tell you, like, that is the basis and the foundation of the happiness in my life as well as my success Mm. how are you defining success um for yourself right just in general like when you think of i'm a successful person today what's what's that image that's in your mind that's telling you that's why i don't know if i'm successful i think i'm a work in progress but because i still think there's so many aspects of me that can be better Mm. but i think you know for me it's on a daily basis just being able to like you know look back at the day you know be grateful for the lessons learned in the the people who've been there to support me and then just going to bed feeling like i've accomplished something i've made a contribution you know whether it is at work or doing something for a colleague doing something for a friend I, i really think it's as I'm getting older, it's it's a lot more than just work. I, I really look at it more holistically around how we work together as people and how we stay connected. People and relationships mean a lot to me. Hmm. What about you? You have a, a like a specific definition for success or fulfillment that you kind of live by or that you try to aspire to on a daily basis? I think it evolves as as you kind of grow as you learn about things, learn about yourself, learn about your environment. To me, success is about a sense of accomplishment, fulfillment, and satisfaction about yourself, really. And it's not really about, you know, what you have achieved or, you know, what your recognitions are. It's about inner self feeling 
that you're making a difference. I think that's my definition of success. Just as much a definition of success is that to, that matters is about whatever you achieved, you achieved along with the people because of them. Right. And sharing that success is just as important as opposed to a personal thing. You know, it's always, you know, personal achievement is great. <laughs> But who who did you do that with from a professional perspective? Yeah. And, you know, there, there are, you know, classic measures of success. But I think you, you want to look at intangibles of the success. And that's what drives you know, di- different individuals are driven by different things is that the challenge, meeting a challenge and, and, and rising up to the challenge, overcoming those obstacles and nothing is easy yeah and especially for people like us who have very high expectations and we tend to raise those expectations as we go along but that's that's all with a purpose on what we're trying to do success is all about you know being happy for me being fulfilled at the end of the day i always think about being i'm a father I'm a husband, I'm a son, I'm a brother, I'm a friend. And that's just as much defining than, you know, what did you do, you know, in a company? Obviously, um, we want to do great things as a company, and which we're going to, and we have a great vision and built on uh, the tremendous success Kavita and the team here had. But it's, it's all about, you know, what makes you happy and how do you think about yourself? How do you think becoming a father changed the way that you communicated with other people, you know, within your organization? Yeah, that's really interesting. And, you know, lots of stories about how it does. That humbles you. Because before you become a father, you're in control, you know, you're, you, you know what you're doing. But obviously, with the kids, you got to get a lot of patience. Sometimes, you know, I wasn't sure when I came to work, I'm babysitting my kids or babysitting challenging people, right? So they do interrelate. But uh, it's also a sense of, you know, growth. You're able to, the difference that you're able to make. And it also makes you more human. You yeah. know, it's not all about the business. It's it's about people. It's about what you do. And it, it just, you know, gives you a dimension that is an important and obviously that is emotional love involved. You, you tend to not to be rational about those kinds of things when it comes. I think that's a softer side of what you get as a father. That experience that you have is just as an important ingredient that you need to be successful in leading organizations running business what about you Kavita do you think you know being a parent changes the way that you communicate with other people or you know does that make for a different type of leader I think I'm way more patient with other people than I'm with my kid are you <laughs> but, but I, I no I, you know for me it's been a little different because what? I started Net Impact when my daughter was three years old so it I think I gave a lot of my energies to the business and it was almost like having a second child and mm. she has been extremely patient but it's also made her very independent and in, when she's 15 now and when I look at her I learn from her on a daily basis really? like the other day we were we were chatting and, and we were talking in the car about something about people and leadership and she started a new initiative so we're discussing that and she's like it's okay I'm a little frustrated but I'm always going to assume positive intent 
And that just made me like pause and think. I'm like, Is that something you've said before? No, but it's something I learned. And now, right, since I heard that, even I go in and I'm like, why couldn't you think of them? Like, no, assume positive intent. Like, it's not like they're trying to like, you know, frustrate you. Like, you just want to look at it and, and be a little bit more patient. So I think I've, I've been learning a lot from her in terms of patience and perseverance and grit. And so she's definitely an inspiration to me. And, and she's been extremely patient because I've literally watched her grow up on on FaceTime and, you know, we communicate mostly on WhatsApp. So, but she's, she's still not okay. Was that hard for you as a mother just to be disconnected from your, your daughter like that? I think it was. But again, it's like once you make a commitment for me, like it was like, okay, I made this commitment to a client, right? Like I had to deliver. And I think I always expected people at home to understand. And then I've been very, very lucky that I did have that support system without whom I couldn't have, you know, done as much as I have. I Not like I recommend it, but I think, you know, over a period of time, I've understood uh, how to find a better balance. But in, in the initial years, it was very hard to, because of you know, the age factor and, and also like, you know, both the business being young and her being young, it, it took a little bit more of a balance. What do you think, what impact do you think you're having on her being in the position that you're in for her perception of what's possible as she gets older? She's 15. She's eventually going to go to college. She's going to think about careers. Do you think that you're impacting her? Do you guys talk about that or do do you? think that that's a thing that you're impacting what she sees herself as the possibilities she- i don't know that she's you know she's much more stem focused and she's you know very very focused and has a lot of clarity in terms of what she wants to do which is way more than i had uh, growing up but mm-hmm. we do talk a lot and i think a lot of the conversations she's she started this thing called right cause which is like a, a global platform for teens to express their their thoughts on social issues and so it's a volunteer event she's got volunteers from across the country and the way she's organizing them, running the meetings, action items, I would say take some credit for some of that, right? I think yeah. she's really learned and she's been in cars. She's been listening to these conversations. So I think like she's got a lot of those skills. And, and But it's interesting that her challenges at her level are very similar to some of our challenges at, at yeah. workplace with this. So it's kind of interesting perspective to look at it from her point of view and learn from right. Just through osmosis, she's absorbing it. What about your kids? I mean, do you think that you being in the position that you're in is kind of shaping some possibilities for them that they may not have? I think what I hope that what they're shaped by is the value system and hard work, thankfulness, humbleness, and patience. Mm -hmm. A lot of times things don't go your way, right? And that just the commitment and the dedication and the persistence. I think I hope that's 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 what they that's what they pick up. They pick up. I hope. What do you think about the language we use with ourselves, like I am statements? How how effective or what do you think that does for us? I've I've been there plenty of times. I wasn't always kind to myself. I'd say I am an insert. You know, I'm too fat. I'm too much of this. I'm not enough of that. I you know, and I think that. There's a lot of psychology there with synapses that you can actually, we can program ourselves to really start to believe that and think that. And what we think is what we become. And I study a lot of this and we can get into a big conversation with that. And I love it. But what do you think that that does? And how do you prepare yourself, your team, your kids? It's funny you say that because I'm literally like the first time I heard loving kindness, I was like, what kind of hippie thinking is that? Right. Do you think that's cultural? <laughs> I don't know. Well, your parents were nice to you. So I, I don't know, but I was hard on myself. I always said the bar high. I always thought I was failing. Like Even when I was like, you know, in the top 
100% in everything that I did, I still thought I was like, oh my God, if I don't get this right, I'm going to fail. I'm going to. Yeah. Uh, so I always lived with that kind of expectation. I don't think it was externally imposed. I think it was predominantly. Did you feel shame or was it guilt? Guilt. I went to Catholic school all my yeah. life. So, so I think get, definitely. Well, yeah. well yeah. there's shame guilt. in there too. Yeah. No, but I think like this whole loving kindness concept, like, I mean, it's mind blowing once you get it and, and once you understand it. Like I never understood it. And really growing up, you know, you just like, you know, suck it up and, and do better or work harder. Right. But the minute I understood it, what I found it did for me was being kinder and gentler to myself actually made me a better person to f- to other people as well, because I was a little bit more understanding, more patient and, and a little bit more mindful about all the factors that go in and not just always push, push, push. And I, I and it's, it's exactly what I tell my daughter now because she's exactly like me and she, she'll like, one thing goes wrong and she'll think like, you know, it's the end of the world. Like, you know, loving kindness, be nice to yourself. You know, it's keep making progress, right? I don't think perfection is, is attainable, but just that kind of thinking. But that whole concept of loving kindness, like the whole word and self-love and all this stuff, it was like, what are you talking about? Like, yeah. I went to an MPSR class. It's mindfulness-based stress reduction. And, and the first time the guy talked about it, I was just rolling my eyes and saying, what am I doing here? And uh, I think it's taken me a time to read about it. But, you know, thinking about reading about neuroplasticity, conversational intelligence, how word choices make different connections with people i find that subject extremely fascinating too and i've I've been advocating it and i've been telling everybody else about it since you know it clicked with me yeah and i think it's a natural thing to for the ego right the human ego to say this is foolish this is dumb like i made it this far without having to worry about this i should i should just be fine meanwhile we're not fine Right. I'm like, I'm being mean to myself. Like, and I don't, and some there's things we don't know what we don't know. And I think, yeah, it's improved the way that I communicate with other people. It's allowed me to reach more people and to really actually resonate and build relationships with people where otherwise we would just be talking about new sports and weather, you know, or something. Traffic. Yeah. Or, <laughs> you know, what about you? What about I am statements? Do you journal or think about those kind of things? So it may, it may go back to, you know, your background. I left home for, boarding school when I was 12 and just became independent from there into my own kind of a self-defined kind of world. You always have disappointments, but I never had a sense of I'm not good or, you know, any of that stuff. Do you go the other way? Do you like, because, you know, there's, there's something about mantras like I am successful, I am thoughtful, I am loved, I am loving, like to say those things to help us if you need to. Yeah, I mean, I I never felt the need for self-motivation, to be honest with you. There there was always a drive. And I I never thought about, you know, I was, you know, you have goals and you want to do certain things. It was never a big concern internally for me about whether I love myself or, you know, I don't like what I'm doing. Sometimes, you know, you do reflect and say, yeah, you, you know, you're not good at this stuff and you better get good at it. Or yeah, the solution is to learn. Yeah, the solution is to learn. So never went through that journey. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'm blessed or maybe I'm not. (laughs) Whatever that that is. And, you know, it may be being independent and reasonably successful gives maybe gives uh, quiet self-assuredness. Maybe, maybe some of that. 
Yeah, that you've been able to rely on certain things and skill sets. And I think you've probably learned along the way. I've heard it in, in our conversation today that mm-hmm. you've continued to build on skills and shore up the things that, that we don't know. And, and I think that that's a big part of entrepreneurship, too, surrounding yourself with the people that shore up your weaknesses that make a unit strong. You guys are you're you're two different types of entrepreneurs, it, it seems like. But to the aspiring entrepreneur. What advice can you give them? Someone who wants to get into an industry like the government contracting industry and support these agencies through their mission and wants to be mission based and affect other people's lives. Don't underestimate the work. Yeah. it, it, It takes true passion. If you're doing this to just make money, I think you'll be disappointed because I think there were times that working in McDonald's would have paid me more for the hours I was putting in with what I was making, right? But I think it's really having that true passion for, like you said, you know, what you do and what the kind of outcomes that, that give you that that internal intrinsic satisfaction of making a difference, finding a mission that you truly believe in. For me, that was health and, and you know, it resonated with me and, and I felt like... You know, I might not be a doctor, but I at least am indirectly enabling the people uh, to do that job better. And and for me, that was my calling. And that's where we started. That's where we grew quite a bit before we branched out to other agencies. I think starting somewhere there and that finding your true passion is, is really where what will give you that energy to to get up another day and then keep that grit going to, you know, to keep at it even when all those things don't go your way. Mm-hmm. What about you? Have a clear vision for yourself on what the enterprise that you're starting to build is about. And having that persistence and it's not going to be easy, straight line and be prepared for that. But some of the things that you want to watch out as an entrepreneur is not to get false negatives or not to get false positives. So when you are successful, as you're going through the journey successful, you may get really overconfident and say, hey, you've been successful in this journey and get false positives. You don't look at things that you need to do to get better at. On the other hand, you can be down on yourself by getting false negative. It's a very tough competitive business, whichever is in the business that you're in, our business, certainly there are 20,000 companies competing for the same same thing and pretty much everybody. So don't have that false negative just because you aren't successful. Don't think that everything that you're doing is not, you know, not right. So have that compass and have a reflection. And it's all about learning. You, you want to learn from your success, learn from your mistakes, learn from your setbacks, learn from those kinds of things. And that's the quite, quite often just people just don't have that you know sense of you know what made you successful is not necessarily till a certain point is not necessarily going to make you successful in the next journey that you, that you yeah. have in there what got you here won't get you it there won't get you there and you know that's the reason why i kind of said false positives and false negatives you got to check yourself about this. I think it's a lot like raising a child, Mm -hmm. right? Running a business. I think the problems that you have when you're just starting off are like, oh my God, if this kid would just sleep through the night, that would be great, right? And then it's, then it's something else. It's, and it it just, I think as the business grows, the problems don't, they don't go away. It's just, you know, there are, the highs are really high and the lows are really low, but it's, it's truly like parenting. It it takes the same level of emotional um, investment and energy into, 
you know, doing all the right things and really thinking about what's good for the organization, sometimes making some tough choices, even if they're not the popular choices, right? So I really felt like, you know, because I think my daughter was so young when I started the company and the company was growing simultaneously, I could start seeing a lot of parallels between the two. And I really do think it's, it's, it's a labor of love. How long were you at 1099? I was a subcontractor, right? I had already set up Net Impact Strategies when I started. Mm. So, I, But I was like, I didn't really have this grand vision. I'm going to go build this company. I'm, I'm being honest, right? It was like, okay, I want to go do good work. Right? I want to go and I want to work as many hours as I want to to get to the goal without having to worry about, you know, this is what we budgeted for whatever it was right like i just wanted to do good work and not worry about what the scope said or you know i just like sometimes you go into the client and you go into implement a system but you realize the process is broken so you really need to do some process re-engineering work first because otherwise you're automating a bad process to make bad things happen faster <laughs> right so it's like those kinds of things that you know you're not like trying to nickel and dime your clients you're going in there with the intent to see what's the outcome that you want and and if that outcome requires you know me making photocopies me running a meeting me bringing coffee whatever it takes to really like get everybody to coalesce and agree and and, and really buy into something that's what i wanted to do but it didn't take me very long like i think within like four months i already was starting to get additional orders that customers wanted i just didn't have the staff to do it so i, I gave it to other vendors to fulfill those contracts and in, in 2010 one year into being in business is when we brought on our first employee what was that process like of adding an employee? Did you have the budget? Oh, initially it was not that bad because I was, you know, really getting all my friends to come and work here. I was like, hey, you want to do this? It'll be so much fun. We can talk to each other every day and we can still like be like a school project, right? So initially it was fine. You know, the first couple of people I hired, I already knew them for a long time and, you know, we started together. And in fact, our first employee still works here. So I'm very proud to say that. And she's just phenomenal. Soon I realized I needed more friends. Like I didn't have enough people I knew. And I was like, oh my God, I need more friends. I just don't know whom to hire. And, and, that part, I think, was a little bit scarier to go out mm -hmm. and just, you know, decide that it's like an arranged marriage, right? Like, go meet this person and like, okay, fine, I think you are the person I want you to go do this contract, which, and I'm going to give you all the control. Um, I think that part was a little bit scarier initially. I mean, our, our people who I started with, all of them stepped up in, I mean, my, my success today or where we are today as a company is... I, I would give full credit to my mentors who made me believe in myself and told me I could do it even on days that I was like, what are you talking about? I don't know what you see because I don't see that. And and really the, the team that we started with, who, I mean, whatever it took, right? They would del do the client delivery work. They would write the proposals. They would help with recruiting. It, it, it was a team sport. And, and in, without them, it wouldn't have been as much fun to, to have done this. What's next for Net Impact now that you're here? We have really an exciting journey. <clears throat> what we're trying to create here is a company that's a next generation leader in solving real challenges our customers have. And we call ourselves a next generation digital transformation company. That's the enterprise that we're trying to take our company to the next level that comes with, you know, it's a high expectation. People believe that we can disrupt the market. People believe, make people believe the art of the possible. And at the same time, helping them kind of get there. 
that's the journey that we are in. And it's an exciting journey. It's it's just not about revenues. What is really exciting about is the culture. Kavita earlier described what that means, but it also means people and getting engaged. And I'm so excited to be here to see people that are voluntarily taking on doing things on top of their full-time job, which is the true entrepreneurial spirit. They want to learn, they want to contribute, and they want to make a difference. That's what we're trying to do. It's an exciting journey. And I think and this, is, this has been a great uh, conversation. I think it's traversed both like the personal journeys as yeah. well as the, you know, the, the career success. And I think to me, that's the whole individual. And I think that really is what makes you successful because even when you go into a client space right it's it's understanding that they're human too it's yeah. not like you know just it's not just it's i think it's human sent but it's mission driven yeah and 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 being able to connect those two through technology is is great and and having fun through that process by building friendships and relationships and now to me you know not growing up here and coming from a different country i finally feel like i have my roots here because yeah. now I'm, I'm connected to the community in a way that i was never connected for the first 10 years of my life here mission first people always well i really appreciate you guys taking the time to chat with me philip this has been a very very interesting conversation thank you and you're very thoughtful yeah, I just think, thought the questions you had were, were really, really interesting. Way yeah. different from all the other traditional interviews that we've done. Thanks for listening to DC Local Leaders. We'd love to connect with you. Find us on LinkedIn and YouTube by searching DC Local Leaders, on Instagram at DC Local Leaders, or our website, dclocalleaders.com. You can find the podcast on Spotify, iTunes, Google, or wherever you find great podcasts. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Until next time.